is the Dave Glover Show with Dave, Rachel, and Kevin. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring Outlet, the flooring experts. I got floor.com. Well, this is not the Dave Glover Show. This is the Hancock and Kelly Show sitting Still in. Still a very good show. For the Dave Glover Show with one of the nicest, cheerful, most positive, no, most positive is. people you'll meet Big in St. Louis. Right That's right. Chris Ronji. Uh, absolutely. Incredible. Let's go, baby. You know, there's a pawn shop in Jefferson City. What's it called? Family Pawn Store. Uh-huh. You walk in, you say, this is my sister. <laughs> no, never mind. I don't get it. <laughs> a pawn shop. A pawn what? Family pawn? You pawn your family member. Oh. Oh. I got it. Oh, John. Buddy, uh, what, how does it feel when one of these dad jokes falls flat? Well, uh, most do you... of them do. And I, see, I don't, I don't worry about pleasing people, Michael. Clearly. I don't worry about not entertaining when did you? out there. When do you suppose, at what point in your life did you just say, I don't care anymore? Oh, it would have been uh, probably 97. <laughs> 1997. Oh, 1997. Yeah. Yeah. You did not stop trying to please people. And Oh, yeah. No, I don't I don't care. Well, but you were trying to win an election as opposed to 1997. No, I had already lost. Oh, okay. So, so your through, last election, through, yeah, you didn't uh, care. Winning elections. Yeah. So you lost, the, elections. you lost the second one. You said, that's it. I don't yeah, care. yeah, who I'm cares? <laughs> well, I mean, when I lost the second one. So... The first one, I was still a state rep or whatever, and I was still, we were young and just married and uh, no big deal. I went out and got a job. <sighs> Public relations. Yeah. McDonald's. Ronald. Yeah. Ronald McDonald. He worked for me. Nice. And uh, so, but the second election, uh, we had a two-year-old. My wife was eight months pregnant. We took out a second mortgage on the house to make ends meet. I had a job, sort of. And uh, your buddy got me uh, fired from the job, Kelly. Who did? I'll tell you after you're on okay. the break. Okay. Right. And uh, so, and so they weren't paying me anymore. And uh, get through the election, I lose. I don't have a job. My car lease is up at the end of December. Ugh. And so I didn't. I had two mortgages, no car, and one and a half kids, and no job. So I thought, you know, this politics thing, and everybody goes into politics and gets rich, except for me. <laughs> uh, so, have you ever heard any of his McDonald's stories when no, he was working? With I didn't so, even know you worked there. He, so you grew up in St. Louis. You remember the VP Fair? Of course, it was a big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, we uh, the, some of the biggest crowds I ever saw in my life were the old VP Fairs back in the 1980s. But uh, John used to run McDonald's down to the VP Fair because there used to be a McDonald's a boat. boat down I there. I used to go to the we boat. We had the boat down there. And, of course, uh, Ronald was a big star in the VP Parade every year. Uh, so I dutifully got him booked for the VP Parade. <laughs> you know, it's July the 3rd, whatever day it is, I'm sitting there in the office and <laughs> phone rings. We don't have cell phones back then. And, uh, and Ronald, whenever he's in costume, he's, he's Ronald. He's not yeah. who he actually is, you know. So I got a phone with John Hancock, and he says, John, <laughs> it's Ronald. I said, oh, hey, Ronald. I said, aren't you uh, supposed to be in the parade? He says, somebody didn't get me a parking spot. I said, oh. I had to park two and a half miles away from the parade. I said, oh, that's terrible, Ronald. And he says... Do you know how hard it is to walk in these shoes? 
And I, I thought, I hadn't given it a lot of thought up until that point. And uh, so, so the poor guy. He up dressed? Uh, he drove there dressed? Yes. Oh, he he's got to show up in Toronto. His makeup's running. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, July in, it's July in St. Louis, and the guy's walking two miles in his big red shoes. So, uh, Did yeah. Ronald ever change, or was it the same Ronald every so time? So Ronald actually, so when I started there, Ronald was an older guy who was a retired firefighter. Nice guy. Uh-huh. And uh, the new guy was kind of phasing in, uh-huh. and then the old guy retired. And so the new Ronald, and he was young, a magician. I mean, oh, really wow. a talented magician. Of course. The guy, making good money back then. Uh, and uh, More than you? He was making more than me, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he had a 401K, which I didn't have. And, um, and so, and he had 150 appearances a year that we had to book him, you know, and one of which was the uh, Veiled Prophet Parade. So, yeah, that was Ronald. So, so um, he was mad at you. Yeah. He was not happy with me. Was uh, this the same Ronald that, that had the incident at the radio oh, station? Did I ever tell you that story? Well, okay, go, please. <laughs> so, you know, McDonald's, I'm the PR for McDonald's. We're rolling out the McGrilled Chicken Sandwich. Great. Yes. So I'm giving away Weber kettles <laughs> at McDonald's restaurants. Why? They're grills, Michael. Oh. And, and this is a... <laughs> kind of defeats you want people to come to the store well, to get the food. A, you know, it's a, I get what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as part of our big rollout, I scheduled Ronald McDonald on a radio tour. Brilliant. <laughs> Send him somewhere where nobody can see him in costume, you know. So... Uh, and he does. He goes, I think Cam Lex had him on uh, that day, and, and uh, as did uh, Magic 108. You remember Magic 108? Of course. Yes. So I get a call uh, later that afternoon from the from the host of the morning drive show, Don Clark. don't know if you remember Don Clark. He did some news on television here. Great voice. And I, John Hancock, he said, uh, Mr. Hancock, this is Don Clark at Magic 108. And I said, yes, Mr. Clark. He said, <laughs> Ronald McDonald was in here today. I said, yes, he was. Uh, you, you did a great job with the interview. I heard it. I heard it all, Mr. Clark. He said, when he left here. He said, Ronald McDonald hit my car. And I said, surely, Mr. Clark. He said, I looked out the window, and he, that van hit my 1987 Cadillac Eldorado. I said, oh, Mr. Clark, that's terrible. He broke off my rearview mirror. I said, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and he just drove away? Yeah. And I said, run. So, away. Well, no, hold on. So, McDonald committed a hit and I, run? I knew this couldn't possibly be true because our policy was if Ronald was in costume, he had to have a driver. He, he, Ronald could not drive. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, Mr. Clark, I'm sure Ronald wasn't actually driving the van. He said, I saw his yellow glove. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I had to go, so I had to call Ron, you know, uh, get him. He's at home. And I said, uh, hey, Ron. Yes. I said, uh, you weren't, you weren't. Driving the Ronald McDonald van today by any chance were you in silence? And he says, No. I said, And and you didn't happen to hit a parked car at Magic 108, did you? Silence. No. And uh, so after a couple of more probative questions, he came clean. And uh, it was the side view mirror on the on the on the driver's side. 
So I had to call our biggest franchisee and explain the thing to him. And, you know, we're not going to report this to insurance, you know. So we uh, we took care of Mr. Clark's car. Got it fixed. <laughs> How about that? So uh, that was minus one for me on the VP parade and minus one for Ronald. The magic went away. I saw his yellow gloves. Do you know how hard it is to walk in these red shoes? I retired shortly thereafter from public relations. So good. Although my last day was it was New Year's Eve. So it would have been New Year's Eve of 93. It had been 30 years ago. Wow. Almost to this very day. Wow, wow, wow. And it was my last day in the office was December the 30th or 31st, whichever it was. And somebody stole the uh, mobile unit. You know, we oh, had no. the mobile, yeah. yeah, and because the mobile unit, we we featured prominently during the flood relief. We'd drive the mobile unit to where they're sandbagging and right. serve, you know, hamburgers and stuff. Got a lot of good press out of that mobile unit. Right. And uh, somebody stole the darn thing the last day. And I get a, I get a call from, I don't know, Channel 5, somebody, uh, for a comment on the mobile unit. Well, it's 4 o'clock. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. so I said, uh, we, we, we have no comment at this time. <laughs> I walked out the door, turned off the lights, and that was it. That's the next guy's problem. Uh, I don't know if they ever found the darn thing. I'm sure they probably did. So did you ever have an instance where McDonald Ronald wasn't going to be able to show up and you potentially were going to have to well, put the I makeup was, on? Well, I was, I was bloogie. So we, uh, huh? <laughs> so this What's was bloogie? another what? brilliant idea of mine. So we were, we had the, <laughs> we had the commemorative hockey cards, uh, which was a set of all the best blues players ever. And we were, we were, you know, handing them, selling them at the restaurants and stuff. But I still got the set. It's got to be worth like six bucks now. But, uh, so we were promoting these hockey cards, and so I developed a character called uh, Blue Gee. He was a blue guy, yeah. but he was gee because you know, it's hockey. You're gonna make him happy. So, so one of our so one of our uh, franchisees wanted to wanted to have Blue Gee out at the restaurant, you know, and invite all the kids in. And I said, "Well," he said, "Who's Blue Gee?" And I said, "Well." We really know there isn't one. I mean, <laughs> you made it made up. That up. <laughs> he said, "Well, man, I've been I've been putting flyers up in the." <laughs> oh, no. So this was this was over in Fairview Heights. Oh no! So uh, so I said, oh, "He'll be there." You know, Saturday afternoon from one to three, and so there I was. Oh, <laughs> Were you no. like dressed up like Blue Man Group, or what? You put I on? had my a blue shirt on and some blue sweatpants. Uh, and my hockey goalie stick and my, my little hockey mask, and I showed up, and I talked to the kids when they came out about the, how about the hockey card. Do you like these St. Louis Blues? And I was, uh, I was bluegy for two signing autographs. Are you kidding uh, me? No. no. Yeah, like, uh, were you impersonating real... Ron Caron as bluegy? Yeah. I, I got real... some meat on the burger. <laughs> I had a real knack for this public relations stuff, i got to tell you. You just made up a mask. Scott on the side. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a guy. His name's Blue He's going to be there. Brilliant. Blue guy, but it's hockey. Blue gee. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Well, we need to step aside. When we come back, it's... we're going to have Don from Magic 108 on. I saw his yellow gloves on the steering wheel. After this.
long before we'll all be there with snow. I like snow. I, I, I'm one of those people who, like if it's going it. to be cold, you know what? I hate it might that as song. well snow. I love White Christmas. Right. That's my probably least favorite part of the whole movie. When they're singing this song on the train. Right. I just don't like it. Hmm. Well, you know who picked it out. Huh. Matt Pajeski. Yeah. Who is some, he's, what are you, 28? You're 24 years old, he's one of but the he's, oldest he's 96. Souls. Yeah, he's one of the oldest souls I you'll love, ever meet. I love the guy. I mean, I'm just being honest. Oh, Matt Pajeski's great. Yeah, we all love him. But I, I, I come in here sometimes, we're going to get back to snow in a second, and listen to Hancock and Pajeski talk rock and roll from the 1970s, of which... He is 40 years later, you know, and, and and John, of course, knows it all, and so does Pajeski. It's incredible. Why do you think you're like that? It's just how my dad raised me on music. He, and he raised you right. right. Good he raised you. He did shows. a fine job. His favorite TV show is Sledgehammer. Yeah. What's that? So it was a comedy from the 80s. Yeah. I would have thought hilarious. of it. I would have thought yeah, of it our guy, the Rockford um, Files. That's pretty good, too. Yeah, Rockford Files was a fine oh, piece Lord. of television programming. We had um, uh, Sledgehammer Star. Is was in Succession. He had a care. He had a role in Succession. David Rashi. He's from oh, yeah. Belleville. Okay. And so we had him on, and Matt texted me and said, "Like, oh, you got you got Sledgehammer on? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How do you know about that show? You I were... wanted him to be in studio so I could bring my box set and have him sign it, but he was yeah, only on the phone. He wasn't wow. here. You got the box set of Sledgehammer. Set. How many seasons is that? Thing? I think Three? it was just two. two yeah, it was yeah. only two. Now, have you always been into nostalgic 70s and 60s and 80s That's not stuff? nostalgic. It is. For well, him. Yeah, not for me. It was before. I don't have any memories of those times, yeah, but I just yeah. am fascinated with it. And unfortunately, it makes me kind of hard to relate to with other people my age. But, uh, <laughs> I can't help it. I enjoy it. Well, yeah, it's fun to be the youngest maybe. person in a room, though. You may you may find that you want to start dating 60-year-old women. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Well, you've come well. to the right radio station. <laughs> 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 All right, it's snowing out there. We were talking How about, about the, the snow. snow. I don't mind the snow, and I'm one of those people that if it's going to snow, it might as well snow. And I don't know about you guys. I wasn't the greatest student in the world. Uh, no. I hated school. I hated every I second bet of it. was a good student. I was a great student. Yeah. Were you? Mm-hmm. I couldn't sit still. Um, and so <laughs> if they were forecasting snow three days from now, I quit doing my homework right then. For the next oh. three days, we're off. We're not doing anything, and uh, now kids don't even have snow. Days. Oh, that, that waking up, uh, if it wasn't bad enough the night before to cancel school the next right, day, right, right. and you had to wake up for the announcement, that yeah. was the best. It was. Right. Oh, Only God, when it was that. actually canceled. There was nothing y- yeah, worse. Than waiting for the announcement and, and it doesn't come. Yes. How about coming into the main room where the uh, radio's on, and they were reading the schools, yeah. and they had gotten to your area in the lot letter, alphabet. And, the and they skip you. They either skipped you or somebody said something, and you didn't hear it. My dad would be like, oh, oh, I didn't hear what they said. I'm not going to listen to, we got to listen to Bob Hardy say all these doggone names again. <laughs> and, and, it was the best. And then some of those schools would cheat, right? Like uh, uh, St. Angeles would, you know, get named under the A's. Uh, they they would put it out under A and then you know and then they hit him again on the S right yeah oh, they got, they so got two shout outs my, my oh, they had to read it and, twice right huh. and then it always seemed like the rural people canceled school first like you know something R eight you know <laughs> R seven school district That's not R4, rural. yeah it is I went to Pattonville R three buddy oh That's well right I, in the heart I'm of talking Maryland Heights. really <laughs> yeah. Well, what are the the rural schools go by letters and numbers like that too? Don't they? They can, yeah. Yeah, but so does Pattonville. Well, but I knew what Pattonville was. At one time, it used to be rural, didn't it? 
It probably did, Ronge. Mm-hmm. Now that you mention it, out yep. there, Maryland Heights and St. Anne. Yeah. yeah. Now they're bustling metropolises. They out are. There. But did you guys know that they're like not having snow days anymore if we'd ever get snow? Uh, kids have um, virtual learning days, and that's a result of the pandemic. So now, even though there's snow, you sit there in your house on your computer and, and, and still have to go through all the nonsense. I think. This is just my little theory of the future. You know how you, a lot of times you like to look ahead down the road right. like, like the Jetsons? And um, so I think a majority of students will be virtually learning within 20 years in this country. Well, that's then the leftovers are going to have all the money in these public schools. Well, that's going to be an interesting uh, transformation that could take place. Not, uh, I'm not saying it's going to, but I think it could. Because what you're seeing is more and more parents are increasingly dissatisfied with what their local school district is providing for them. And this virtual alternative that exists out there has gotten very sophisticated. It's all interactive now. The teachers, it's live. You've got other students in the virtual classroom there. Um, you're able to, you know, exchange the notes. And, I mean, just so much, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of yeah, experience. But you, but you don't get one of the most important parts of going to school, which is socialization. Now, I get that there's some kids for religious reasons and health reasons and other things that wind up being homeschooled. But I think the idea of kids having to be with each other and learning how to interact for the preponderance of humans out there is a healthy well, you way to How else are you going to meet ladies? Yeah. You might be right. Uh, but don't most people meet the ladies online anyway? And, uh, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I'm just saying. And you know, but when you're in school, it's the, that's all kinds of stuff. When you're in school, that's the that's the best. Well, it, I mean, walking you're, the you're halls is also it's also it every a very stressful time for a lot of kids. They get kids that get bullied. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the kids that don't fit in. Right. Uh, so I'm just saying, or couldn't sit still. Twenty years from now, don't you remember your teacher telling you to sit still? No, Did you, I didn't have that problem. Really. Because I was in school and I thought, well, I should do the thing that we're supposed to do, you which is listen. I just couldn't yeah. do it. I was just what were your what so were your best answer. subjects out there? Oh man, I was great at uh, you know English. Yeah, I can believe and, it. And uh, writing and history. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I liked all that math stuff. math and science. Not so. Much. Oh hell no. Yeah. <laughs> if I was good at that stuff, I would be doing something way cooler. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. What was yours? I was social studies. That's the only thing I was really into. I, I did well in English. I did pretty well in math. I didn't. I didn't go all the way to, you know, calculus. Yeah. Um, because they put me in the slow track back in the third grade because they didn't know better. But uh, <laughs> boy, my mom was mad about that. What does that mean? The slow. Well, track? We, so you're on you do the track system. It's coming a different bus. So too? it's know, the. Um... <laughs> Apparently they it's didn't. For the they, dummies. didn't <laughs> they didn't appreciate my mathematical abilities. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. in the third I, you're grade. pretty good at math, I think. Well, I can add. Uh, like when we're playing snooker, you, you do very well. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, my dad was like, my dad had dyslexia, uh-huh. and man, but with numbers, the guy was absolutely. I mean, he would go to that warehouse. He, you know, he's a warehouse guy, and he would add up the stuff, and, and the other guys couldn't believe it. I mean, dad was just, whoosh, it's uh, 167. Yeah, and uh, they just thought, "Wow!" Did he run a gambling book? At he, the was, same time? he was tough, man. You'd be a ca- uh, card counter. Yeah, I would think that somebody who has that kind of knowledge would be able to go and commandeer. Well, you something. know, now that's and an excellent. Maybe he was point. running a book on the side, and you didn't know or it. Or hitting the blackjack. We didn't have the blackjack tables back then. No, you know now. Now Dad, you're, but you you're a Sudoku rich. nut, right? I do. I'm a huge into Sudoku. Do you do that? No, me neither. I tried to do it the other day on the way home from an airplane. Yeah. 
you know, they put it on the tape, the, yeah. the, the thing right in front of you yeah, on the yeah. person's seat. Yeah. And after about 30 seconds of slamming the guy's head in because I couldn't get the numbers right, I just gave up. And I was like, I don't know how Hancock does this. Well, it's, it's uh, you know, it's the grid. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, it's the grid, Michael. What was I thinking? Well, we're going to come back, apparently. And uh, <laughs> and when we do, Chris had a fascinating interview earlier today about the Missouri legislative session. We're going to tackle some of those topics next right here on KMLX. Hey, it's Hancock, Kelly, and Chris Ranji. Uh, Hancock and Kelly, we're going to take you all the way till 5 o'clock. We're sitting in wow. for the DGS. We'll have the regular cast of characters. We'll visit with Dave Murray a little bit later, find out what the latest on this hamster-sized snow uh, that's coming down and where he came up with the description of snow being hamster-sized. Hamster well, just... it's a, the you know, the hamsters. Hmm. They were... It was big snow. Yeah, but I mean... For a while. Who, who comes up with hamster as like the description? No, oh, this was Dave Murray. Oh, Dave did. Yeah, I, I mean, this, I, this is a man who talked to the masses. Oh, I thought it was just, something yeah, that uh, John no, came up with. It does sound like something John would come <laughs> up with. It totally sounds like a Hancock word, which is why uh, we're going to inquire. But you I had saw an those yellow gloves. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. <laughs> that yeah. is an excellent story. Well, you know, you can rewind on the Odyssey app if you missed that's it. That's right. right. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Yeah. Download it, listen live. You know, that's how I listen to KMOX these days. On the Odyssey app. On the Easy. Odyssey app. In your house? Yeah, in my house, etc. Because I, I don't have Alexa um, in my house anymore. I turned her off. Because some oh. of my buddies would come in and be like, Alexa, order, you know, 12 cases of whatever. And it would show <laughs> up. And I didn't know they did it because I was in the bathroom or something. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, so I what had to turn her prank. off. Yeah, what jerks. I love that. Would you do, you're going to do that to your friends now, aren't no, you? No, maybe. He's Mr. Positivity. I'm Mr. Positive. Yeah. Hey, if you do it for we need some uh, paper cups around here. So if you uh, find and we need dish soap and dish soap, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. You had Emily Manley on Fox Two reporter from yep. the Capitol up in uh, Jefferson City. She was kind of previewing what was anticipated for this upcoming legislative session. And John and I know better than anybody that this is what I like to call the show session. This is the session where not much happens. It's a bunch of these folks like to show up and do a show so that they can go back and talk to the extremes or whatever. Because well, it's half an of them, half of in their running, district. Half of them are running for statewide office. And yeah. the other half are Because it's an state. election season. Yeah, exactly. An election year. But she uh, enumerated a couple of things that she thought would uh, consume most of the time. Uh, what, let's, well, let's go through them. One of them was the... Uh, sports gaming. Sports mm -hmm. gambling. That's one that's near and dear to Ronji's heart. Dude. The fact that we don't... It, I, I would venture to guess that even the people who are against it, who are not really against it, know that we need it and know that we should have it. Um, and we mentioned a couple of, of people in the Missouri legislature who held it up last time. And it's all to do with these video terminals and gas stations, these video machines. Right. That What this is all about is those companies who own those machines want them regulated so they can be everywhere. Well, that's what that's what it's about. So the, they try well, they try well, the, to attach the company the, the company that's in here now does not want it to be regulated. So the the folks that are vending the machines that it's, are it's a company from Illinois. There's a couple of companies. Yeah, yeah that want to come into the market Correct. and have them regulated uh, because where they operate. And and honestly, if you're not transparent with these things and you don't know what the payouts are, not really sure if the taxes are being accurately re recorded and or you know reported. 
you know, there are there is a rationale to regulate these. I things. don't think they should be in gas stations. I and mean, why do we go through the big vote on having? I am for sports gaming. I want to be clear about that. Uh, I I don't understand why these two things are being tied together. You're you're enumerating. Well, it. That, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because the people who are in favor of it realize that it won't get passed on its own because nobody cares. Right. <laughs> but but that's I mean, that's really what it is. So they say, well, we'll attach it to the sports betting bill. And then it'll get through that way, but nobody cares. But people do care about betting, sports betting, right? Because, well, for a number of different reasons, it is a thing that a lot of people in the state do. A lot of people in the country have apps, and the other folks who realize it's inevitable know that we are missing out on an extraordinary amount of revenue in the state because people are literally getting in their cars, they are driving across the river to Illinois. Or they're driving over to Kansas, placing their bets, and then coming back to the state. There are there are companies and, and businesses just across the river on both sides I've that are welcoming this. people. They're like, hey, yeah, come here and place your bets and also buy this while you're here. Right, Chris, exactly. it's, Chris I, I, I golf over in southern Illinois. So yeah. I drive through and I have to go through Soget. And I, one day we're going there one day to golf. And I'm like, what is this traffic for? Yeah. It was everybody lining up to go to that gas station just on Route 3 once yeah. you get over the Poplar Street Bridge to literally pull into their parking lots because I guess then their GPS is such that it yeah, says it's, you're it's, in Illinois so you can yep. gamble. And then they literally – these people never even get out of their automobiles. They yep. just drive back to Missouri, and Missouri is losing out on a lot of the money. And it's, it's such a silly. backward thing. It's right? so backward, but especially because it's inevitable. This mm-hmm. is going to happen, it is gonna happen. eventually. Yes. So why are we – I mean, I know why, because there's probably personal benefit for a handful of people in the government um, and not for anybody else to attach this video stuff to this bill, which is why it failed last time, because nobody and cares the time about before, it. And the time before. Yeah. Nobody cares about the video terminals. <laughs> well, nobody I'm, cares. Somebody cares. Well, well when you go into the gas station and there's one person at the five terminals and they're all open. Um, yeah, that person cares. I've never but, seen them. I've, I've, You've we, never there, seen them? There's a couple in the pool hall that we uh, bum in. Oh, really? I would assume that's what those are. Oh, it could be. It could but well I, don't, be. I don't understand how that can be the case. I thought if you wanted to do slots and that kind of stuff, you had to go to a boat. But now you can do it in a gas well, station? Well, apparently that's what they're doing, yeah. Huh. yeah. But it it's extraordinary to me that four of the largest entities in the state, the Cardinals, the Blues, the Chiefs, the Royals, all want this, and obviously there's a financial benefit to them because they can oh, op- yeah. they can open sports books. They can yeah. they can do something. Well, depending on how the legislation is drafted, right? Because right. the casinos would like to have the complete purview of all of those sports of books. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be. Interesting. I'm old, I mean, I know the the Cubs in Chicago just this past season opened their sports book at Wrigley Field. Yep, DraftKings. Right, and it's. Really nice. Yeah. And you think all these teams aren't thinking, man, we could have one of those. Sure. And, of course, financial benefit to them, but people want it. Right. People want it to happen, and it's revenue that the state well, is missing out on. people need to quit electing the people they're electing. Because in too you. many instances, they uh, are supportive of legal weed. They're supportive of raising the minimum wage. They're supportive of Medicaid expansion. They're supportive of gambling. Yet they're electing these people who vote constantly against the things they care about. Uh, most of the social issues don't line up with the parties that they're voting for. Sorry, John, I was ripping on your party there for a second. What, what else is new? <laughs> oh, it's just telling. Well, the other thing was the Medicaid reimbursement uh, tax that 
hospitals put on themselves. She said this was going to take up a bunch of the time. Could. Talk, talk us through exactly what that is, John. So right now, the mechanism to, to draw down federal Medicaid dollars is a tax that hospitals and nursing homes pay out of their receipts. Uh, and it's called the, I don't know, FRA. I don't, can't remember what it stands for. And they pay the FRA to the federal government. That then gets matched three, four, five times over by federal money, and it comes back to the state to pay for Medicaid uh, services. And the hospitals, even though it's a tax on them, they want this because when the money comes back, it pays. That's how they reimburse in themselves. Theory, in theory, that's how they make money for taking care of these Medicaid patients. And um, so it got caught up in, in the legislature last year over um, funding for Planned Parenthood. And uh, they had to have a special session to deal with it, and eventually they worked out a deal. It's a, it's not a controversial issue in and of itself. I mean, it's not, you're not taxing the people of Missouri. It's the hospitals themselves paying a tax, and then the federal money comes back. Uh, and if you don't do it, then you've got this massive multibillion-dollar hole in your Medicaid budget for the state, which is an increasingly large share. I mean, when you look at what the state budget has become— uh, over the course of the last couple of decades, it's frightening. And most of that money is federal money that the state of Missouri spends. Huh. It's, uh, I mean, wow. And so who would be opposed to it? They just generally don't like the idea that there's so, a tax being imposed? So in the Senate, in the state Senate, they, they're operate, operating under the rule that you can filibuster. Uh-huh. And, and unlike in Washington where nobody actually filibusters anymore. You just can't get 60 votes, so you just move on. Right. In Jeff City, you filibuster by standing, standing on the up. floor. That's what happened with the sports betting bill last That's year. Exactly I listened happened. to Bill Eigel on the floor talk and, and read from Ronald Reagan's book. Right. And uh, and so this issue got caught up with a filibuster last year, and then it got the controversy was we didn't want any of this Medicaid money uh, funding Planned Parenthood to fund abortions. So that's what the issue was last year. So it's going to be used as a political football to Could show be. people you're Could standing be. up against taxes, et cetera, et cetera, right. when it's far more complicated than that. Yeah, and it, right. And it's, uh, I mean, it should be, the FRA should be a no-brainer. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the other thing she talked about was uh, a couple of our legislators want to uh, eliminate the State Department of Education. Huh. And, uh, and so... You know, that would not... Uh, well, and so they just want to leave all the regulation up to the local areas? Well, it's, uh, not, it's not quite... Sh- I'm not quite sure how they would fix that problem. I've seen it estimated... I would imagine these actually, folks are Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I would imagine if you actually did eliminate the State Department of Education, you'd have to have some kind of oversight. I've seen some speculation that it would actually cost more money to the state to split that thing up all over into different places. So we'll see, you know, what happens with that. It's, closing the Department of Education is a popular Republican issue nationally. Why? Nationally. Why? Why is it? Because the, because education is a function of the states. And a, a federal Department of Education is superfluous. And really, the states ought to be able to run their own schools. That's that's the theory. And I, I happen to subscribe to that theory as a conservative. But to extrapolate getting rid of the federal Department of Education and say, okay, let's get rid of the State Department of Education, too, That's it's not the same issue. You know, I find, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but sometimes it seems folks who say, well, it should be up to the states, um, are very selective on the issues they think it should be up to the states. Sure. It's not, it's not always across the board. It's certainly, I mean, I, I know that the abortion thing from last year, that was the... That was the whole foundation of it. it. Should be up to the states. But then you have people who want to make 
national 15-week bans or national um, rules that go along with with abortion. But, well, wait a minute. I thought we were doing the local thing here. I thought we were doing states' rights things. Which is it? Mm-hmm. Either you're for states' rights across the border or you're not. Well, the abortion issue is a little more. So under the Constitution, if, if the right is not enumerated in the Constitution, it is left to the states and to the people. And that's what the Constitution says. And the whole rationale over Roe is that the Supreme Court in 1973 created a right to an abortion that isn't anywhere enumerated in the Constitution. And the the justices that wrote that decision had to extrapolate a right to privacy out of two or three different of the amendments. And a conservative jurist would say, well, it's not in the Constitution. If it's not in the Constitution, then the Constitution says it, it then is left up to the states or to the people. So in this case, the people's representatives are in Congress. And so I don't think there was ever an aversion to having a federal law on abortion. The aversion was that there was no right to an abortion in the Constitution. Now, having said all of that, there never will be a federal law on abortion because you'll never be able to get 60 votes in the U.S. Senate uh, to pass one. So in in effect, it is going to be left up to the states. Hmm. Hancock, Kelly, Chris Ranji, we'll take you all the way to the top of the hour. Listen to this first. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. Those of us of a certain age, or most of us probably, have probably figured that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has been around for a long, long time. Centuries. Yes. Goes all the way back to Germany. It was St. Nicholas or whatever the guy's name yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but no, no. It's not the Klaus. Uh, Rudolph was created in Chicago, Illinois, Ronge, your adopted hometown. That's right. And uh, it was created by... That great retail institution, Montgomery Ward. Montgomery Ward. Yeah, and you know all about Montgomery <laughs> I Ward. Do, I do. Um, I always get it confused, uh, confused with Marshall Fields. Different deal. Because that was a different department store that's now a Macy's. And we know the Macy's takeover. They took Famous Bar from they us. They did. Now they're Macy's. Yeah. I love Macy's, though. Um, but Montgomery but yeah. Ward. Uh, and the big retailer in Chicago. And so they had a young, at the time, uh, ad writer that worked for them. And he um, came from a family from New York. His father owned a lumber mill uh, out of New York. And um, the Great Depression hit in the 1930s. It took the lumber mill out of business. And this young gentleman uh, by the name of Robert L. May uh, was a copywriter there uh, for Montgomery Ward. And barely making ends meet, his wife had developed cancer. uh, And he had a four-year-old daughter at home. And uh, going about his work, trying to keep the house up and uh, take care of his daughter and his service, his, his ill wife. And the, the young daughter came to him one year in the late 1930s and said, why isn't mommy like everybody else's mommy? She's in bed all day, uh-huh. and, you know, and, and he, um, he didn't know. I was a young father. And so he made up this story about this. Um, he, he explained to his four-year-old daughter that not, all, not everybody's the same. And being different can be great, can be cool. And he makes up a story about this reindeer who had a red nose with a light bulb on it. And uh, all the other reindeers didn't like him, and they wouldn't let him play. And and this elaborate story, and she would make him tell her that story every night at 
at bedtime. And when the uh, when the Christmas season rolled around, Montgomery Ward uh, used to have these little books that they would give out to kids at Christmas. They asked him to write a Christmas story for the kids. And so uh, he thought, well, I've kind of made this thing up already. And, uh, and he puts it down and writes it up. And he gets a one of the artists there to draw pictures for the little picture book, <clears throat> reads it to his family members. They loved it. And they thought, yeah, this would be good. So in 1939, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was introduced to the public for the first time. Wow. Handed out 2 million copies at Montgomery Ward in Chicago that wow. year. And, uh, and then went on hiatus because there were restrictions on paper use during World War II. So Rudolph doesn't come back until 1947. And now they three million copies and Montgomery Ward, which held the rights to this little booklet, uh, decided that they would give this would never happen today, but they gave the rights to Rudolph back to Robert L. May. And he tried to get a publisher and they thought, well, the publishers thought, you know what, nobody's nobody's gonna buy it, but they've already given out how many however many million copies for free. So one small publisher out of New York publishes the book. Uh Robert L. May's sister married a musician who wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song. That was his brother-in-law. And uh, they shopped it around to Bing Crosby. Nobody would take it. Uh, finally, Gene Autry decided he would record it. it. It became, within five years, the second most recorded Christmas song throughout America. That's a wild wow. story. Crazy story. And so he created Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, incorporated, did Robert L. May, and uh, died in 1971. But that is how Rudolph came to life. I had no clue. I did, I, I had heard. I feel like I had heard this story before, and I'm looking it up as as John is telling the story. And he wrote it in Lincoln Park, which yep. is a neighborhood in Chicago, right. and it's right around the corner from a Starbucks I used to go to. So I think I think <laughs> the uh, the place is actually still there. You could probably go and pay homage to this guy's house where he spent nights and weekends working on the. It was a poem, right? That he he eventually came up with. You know, you mentioned Montgomery Ward, and it made me think of the Montgomery Ward headquarters, which is on the south branch of that river. Yeah, it's right on the river. And it's a huge yeah. building. And apparently, the building was so long that the people who worked as as messengers or administrators in the building, administrative staff assistants, would wear roller skates. So they could get from one office to the next because the hallways were so long. And when they finally closed the building and that headquarters closed down, um, the story is they went into one of the rooms and there were just piles of roller skates. <laughs> wow. Because the, that's what all the office people Makes used sense, to use. right? Yeah. Yeah, and totally the building is sense. really, it's like its like two football fields long. Right. At least. And it's on the Chicago River there, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, right there on Chicago Avenue. Have you ever done that architectural tour? Yeah, it's river? very cool. It's the best thing to do yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, on the boat? Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. And they tell you about all the uh, the, the different um, architects that yeah. built the stuff. Yeah. You go right past this building. You do. Yeah. I, I took the uh, ghost tour also. What? Oh, that's a great one. They take you where Al Capone killed a bunch of people. Oh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the ghosts are still there, huh? Well, they say that where this garage used to be, the uh, where the massacre occurred, they've torn it down, but they say dogs bark when they're walking by it. Well, boy, there's something you don't see every day, the mm -hmm. dog barking. Yeah, they say the dogs, are they go nuts when they go by this spot. I don't know, man. 
That's Al what Capone, the ghost people tell me. He died fairly young, but boy, he did a lot, didn't he? I mean, he died of syphilis. Yeah, well, in no, jail. Was, how old were you? Uh, oh, Al- yeah, I mean, he had like uh, complications from syphilis. syphilis he went nuts. Yeah. That'd be a tough way to go. Well, oh, they, right. they, didn't they have penicillin? I then? don't think so. Scott Joplin died of syphilis. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Poor yeah. Guy. He died at forty-eight. So did Scott Joplin. Really? Yeah. And that's, but, I mean, you think that I've been places. There's places in so South you know what Florida that means. That where uh, Al Capone was a big deal. He obviously, in Chicago, he ran Chicago. He had some things out in L.A. You he know what that lot. means? If you get syphilis, you don't have to worry about paying for your 50th birthday party. Oh, wow. That's you know? true. Depends <laughs> on how early you get it, though. Right. Because I hear it's rampant in nursing homes. Is that right? Well, STDs are. Why wouldn't it be? It's huh. college for old people. I, I just... I don't know if syphilis itself, but but STDs is a thing. Yeah, in some nursing well, homes. That same thing with that careful. place down in Florida. What's it called? The uh, the village. I didn't know they were getting the that villages? frisky though. Yeah. Oh heck yeah! It's college for these older. Folks. I didn't well, know that. Covered Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and syphilis in nursing homes all in the same <laughs> segment, Raj. There's a first. I didn't know Grandma and Grandpa were getting after it. How about yeah. that? Good wow. Chris Ranji, thank you so perfect. much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Michael Kelly and I will be back after this. Andy Banker from Fox 2, our partner and moderator, is going to join us next hour right here on Cable X.